I'm going to try this microphone this morning. I usually speak from up here, but uh, my uh, sight for the uh, screen, which I have to be looking at from time to time, is much easier if I stand closer. So that's what I'm going to do. That's the reason for that. It's so good to see each and every one of you this morning. We always enjoy getting to worship with the congregation here. It's just an honor and a privilege that we don't forget. And God has been good to us in spite of the COVID, and, and so we're blessed uh, that we have his blessings, and there are many of those, aren't there? The uh, young man that read to us just a moment ago was reading from one of the great Psalms, Psalm 96, and I hope you'll keep your Bible open to Psalm 96, because we're going to refer to it in various times during the lesson part of our presentation, and I'm going to divide my time uh, about the psalm. We'll speak about the psalm, and all of us will hopefully be encouraged by what we read here. But then I'm going to give you a report on how the work is, the Lord's work is doing uh, in the New England states. So I want to call your attention to this song, the psalm as it begins. Sing to the Lord a new song. Most of us here probably remember the days when once in a while in the Sunday morning service, we would sing a song called The New Song. And uh, Mr. Baxter, who wrote that uh, song, wrote a song that people would enjoy. One thing I learned about that song early on is that uh, knowing the words by memory is not as important as knowing when to jump in with your part. And uh, so if you sing bass or soprano or whatever, you need to jump in there when you're supposed to jump in. But this is talking about a new song. Now, it's not the song that we've sung. This is a different song from that. For one thing, the song, the new song that we sing from time to time is focused on heaven. This new song is focused on God. Now the song begins in verse 1 by calling it a new song. The first time we ever read about this particular song is uh, in the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 16. And if you care to go back and look, that is the context where the Ark of the Covenant is brought into the city of Jerusalem by King David. And as it is placed in its uh, tent in the city of Jerusalem, David gives instructions to the Levites and especially to Asaph to sing this song. And the text says this was the first time David did that. Well, the song, the new song, the song that's written in 1 Chronicles 16 must have been a very important one to be repeated here again in the book of Psalms. And in chapter 33, verse 1, we read about singing a new song to the Lord. And in the next chapter, verse uh, chapter 98 of Psalms, it begins the same way. Sing to the Lord a new song. This is about God. This is singing to the Lord. And it's, we're singing, uh, the psalmist is saying, sing to the Lord. Well, what kind of things are we to sing? Well, it speaks about blessing his name in verse 2. 
It speaks about declaring His glory in verse 3. And then on verse 4, For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and He is to be feared above all gods. The new song is a song that's focused on who God is. On God's unique place. On His unique power. And His unique omnipresence in the world. Now the psalm also says that we are to sing this song or to proclaim this message about God all over the world. Did you pick up as we went through this in verse 1? He says, sing to the Lord all the earth. And in verse 4, declare his glory among the nations. Verse 3, among the nations. And then in the same verse, to all of the peoples. And then coming down in verse 7, to families of the peoples. And then down in verse 10, among the nations. This is a psalm that has a message for everybody, Jew and Gentile. It is a song that's not just about Israel and not just for the Israelites. This is a song for everybody on the face of the earth. Now, many people who live on the earth worship false gods. And so they have their idols. But the psalmist wants the people of the earth to know that there's only one true God. And so, in the fifth verse, he says, All the idols, or all the gods of the peoples, are worthless idols. We have a lady that attends the church in New Milford, Connecticut, that is a member of the Buddhist church, society, or whatever the other part of that term should be. And when she goes and bows down, when they're having a special meal at that temple, she is worshiping an idol. The next Sunday, when they're not having a dinner, she's present at our services. And hopefully she is learning this important lesson that all of the idols of the people are worthless. Isaiah, the prophet of God, wrote these words long ago about idols and contrasted them with the fullness of our God. He says that the idols of the people are nothing. And he also goes on in chapter 46 and verse 7. They lift their idols on their shoulders and carry them. They set it in place and it stands there and it cannot move from its place. If one cries to it, it does not answer him or save him from his troubles. Isaiah chapter 46 and verse 7. Now there are some people who in their own human wisdom have decided we need to have lots of different gods because there's no one God that is powerful enough to cover all the bases of human needs. 
And so there's a God for the rain. There's a God for the end of the rain and the drought. There's a, there's a God for water. There's a God for fire. There's a God for food. There's a God for the crops and so on and so on. And David says in this song, when you speak to the world, speak to them about the mighty true God who covers all the bases. You don't need any God but him. And then as the psalmist goes on in this psalms, he tells us that this God is present everywhere. It doesn't matter where human beings live. If they're on the sea in a storm or in a trip or whatever, God is there on the sea. Let the sea Bring forth praises to the one God. Let the fields exalt and rejoice and everything in the fields. And let all the trees of all the earth sing for joy to the Lord. So regardless of race and regardless of culture or regardless of color, here is a message of a song that points everybody to one God who does it all. Now, for a lot of folks, the very idea of God is hard to accept. There are some who say that the idea of God is an invention of the human mind, that science doesn't point to him, But the human mind created him. He is a figment of our own imagination. But I like the way that a scientist who was chairman of the Department of Culture and Science and Religion on the West Coast said this about God. Is God real or imaginary? Evolutionary naturalism classes God among the subjective products of human brains. If God is really real, however, and really our creator, then to enforce the definition of knowledge based upon the assumption that only nature is real and that God exists only in the human imagination would be a big mistake. And it is a big mistake to think that we have created God in our imaginations. The evidence of God is all over the world and in all forms of life and beautiful things. And so the song we sing to the world is that there is a God And he is the one God. And he is the powerful God. He does everything. Well, as the psalmist describes it here, God establishes the world. When things are not established, they're in a state of flux all the time. When things are established... They become firm. Now, there's lots of reasons that some people would give for life being undependable, unpredictable, and out of control. 
And of course, among those are political upheavals, coups, the overthrow of government, changing of a politics of a country, COVID, and many other things. But what this scripture tells us of, there, uh, there is a God who is bigger than all of that change. He has established the earth. He's in charge. Things are not out of control. He knows what he's doing. And he will bring his glory into a world that is firmly under his control. Now, the word that is used here to proclaim in verse 2 is an interesting word. It says in one version, tell about the salvation of God. Another version says, proclaim the salvation of God. The old King James Version said, show forth. And they spelled it S-H-E-W. Forth, show forth. What it really says is evangelize. It's a verb translated in many times in other contexts as evangelize. So here is a message for a preacher. Here is a message for a soul winner. Here is a message for a Sunday school teacher. Here is a message for parents. Here is a message for every believer in God. God is the Savior of the world. Proclaim His salvation. Now David lived long before Jesus came into the world to see the fulfillment of God's plan to save us. But now looking back from where we live in history, we can see that God's plan to save the world centered in the gift of His Son. And so the message we bring to the world is that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. He is the Son of God. And He alone deserves our praise and glory in this world. And he's coming to judge. The psalm ends with a testimony to the future. It says that God is going to judge everybody. And notice how it reads in verse 13. Before the Lord, before he comes, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. And I can hardly read that without thinking of a statement from the Apostle Paul found in the book of Acts, chapter 17, about the judgment of the Lord as it centers in the gift of His Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fixed a day in which He will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom He has appointed. And of this, He has given assurance to all by raising Him from the dead. The greatest need of a human being is to find God. 
And the most urgent thing that impels him in that search is the awareness he needs a Savior. And the message is, there is a God in heaven. And the message of salvation in God is the message we bring. It may well be this morning that there's somebody who's been needing to hear that message of salvation and get ready for the judgment that is coming. And if today, as we end our thoughts on this psalm, you are ready to become a Christian and give your life to the one true God, believe in his son Jesus, turn away from your sins and be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and then carry the message, carry the word to the world around you, everywhere, friends and enemies, neighbors, acquaintances, people you don't know, Americans and other people of the world. Let everybody hear the new song that God is the Savior and we need Him. If you'd like to become a Christian, Would you stand together and sing this song and make your way forward to give your life to the Lord? Shall we sing?